Hello, everybody, and welcome to a special edition of the Nesson College Hockey Podcast. I'm Dakota Randall, alongside always Logan Mullen. Logan, how are you doing? I am doing fantastic, Cody. How are you? I'm doing great. We got a special episode for you. Uh, we got, we're going to get to the men's hockey East semifinal matchups that are going to be on Nesson. We're going to have former Boston Bruins goalie and current Nesson hockey analyst, Andrew Raycroft on the program to sort of break everything down for us. We're looking forward to that. We'll get to Razor in just a little bit, uh, but first I want to just hit you with some news real quick. I want to go over the women's hockey East tournament. Uh, congratulations to the Northeastern women's program for winning the tournament, beating Providence six to two in the championship game. Uh, Huskies goalie Aaron Franklin turned away 29 shots and won the tournament MVP. Uh, she was awesome all season, Logan, obviously. Yeah, uh, I remember watching her last year at the uh, women's bean pot, literally a month before everything shut down. And I mean, it was it was a sight to see. She was fantastic. So the year that she ended up having does not surprise me in the least bit. Yeah, same. She was great. Um, and then on the men's side, a little bit of news to get to. Uh, in addition to the results of the tournament so far, Boston College goalie Spencer Knight wins player of the year for the conference. Deserved. He was excellent. BC is awesome. He was arguably their best player. Uh, he's actually the first BC goalie to win the award outright. Thatcher Demko shared it a few years back. Uh, Knight led Hockey East with 15 wins and a .937 save percentage. Also had 1.99 goals against average. So he was great all season long. Deserved to win the player of the year. Uh, Jerry York also got coach of the year. Again, no surprise that BC got a lot of hardware. They were the best team in the country all year long, right? Yeah. yeah. There's literally nothing to add to that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so real quick, I want to go over the scores from the first round. Uh, UMass Lowell uh, took down Boston University 2-1. to one. That was really the only upset. Everything else mostly was chalk. Po uh, Providence with a 6-1 win over UConn. Probably should have been a little bit closer than that. But nevertheless, I think the better team won. UMass with a 4-1 win over Northeastern and Boston College with a 3-2 victory over my UNH Wildcats. So that's a bummer. UNH showed out well, but ultimately the better team won. And so that sets us up for a Wednesday semifinal double header. Both games available to you on Nesson. And remember, all of our hockey's coverage is brought to you by Rockland Trust, where each relationship matters. Starts Wednesday after late afternoon at 4.30 p.m. with UMass Lowell at Boston College, the number one ranked team in the country. And then after that, at 7 p.m., Providence, the number 14 team in the country, at number six, UMass. So, again, back-to-back -back games on Wednesday. Uh, it's going to be great. Uh, Logan, I'm sure you're looking forward to it as well. Um, and I'm sure Andrew Raycroft is looking forward to it as well. So, without any further ado, let's get into our conversation with Razor. All right, and now we're joined by Nesson Hockey Analyst and former Boston Bruins goalie, NHL goalie, Andrew Raycroft. Uh, Razor, how are you doing? How's life uh, back in the Nesson office? It's nice to be back in the office. Uh, I, I haven't had to do as many Zooms as, as I'm sure you and, and most other people have had, but I'm kind of over them. So it, it's good to be in the studio face-to-face -face and watching hockey. There's no question about that. Yeah, Logan and I haven't been back in the office since since last March. So, you know, we're starting to forget what it, lo what it looks like. I know Logan's wondering if his photos of John Moore and Joakim Nordstrom are still hanging in his cubicle. <laughs> I didn't think you were actually going to ask that. So full disclosure, as part of a bit, I have headshots of John Moore and Joakim Nordstrom on my desk in the office. And I obviously did not have time to take them down because I know I was never coming back to the office again. <laughs> But I'm assuming that the three people who go into the office all the time are like, 
I don't know what the deal is with the headshots of one guy who's not even on the team anymore. <laughs> if you see those, let me know if they're still there. I, I'm going to look tonight. I'm going in. I'll look tonight for sure. Yeah. One thing you might not know about Logan, he is the world's biggest Joakim Nordstrom fan. So they miss him this year. I think it's they, a, he's, a, he's a depth piece that's not, that's affecting the fourth line presence. That departure is not getting nearly enough play, especially mm-hmm. on the PK. But I, I spent the last two years defending him. So yeah. oh, Logan could do an entire podcast on Joe Nordstrom. Let me tell you. Problem. So, but we'll keep it. Uh, we'll keep it to hockey's for now. Uh, so, listen, we already went over the uh, the first round matchups, but you know, Razor, I just kind of want to get your opinion. Um, any big takeaways from the first round? Obviously, a decent upset with Lowell over BU, uh, but everything else mostly seemed like uh, it went as expected. Yes, it did. I, New Hampshire keeping it as close as they did with BC, especially after the first five minutes, that was intriguing. I, I thought the end of that game was fun to watch and, and certainly wasn't expected early on. Uh, but but overall, it, way, you know, Providence beating UConn wasn't as much of a surprise. It probably expected that to be a little closer. However, yeah. Providence is, is much more battle tested at this point and uh, it, it just felt like that wasn't, you know, although the seeds say it was an upset, it, it didn't, didn't feel that way to me. So, so it looks like it's, it's going to be a great final four and it, that the intriguing matchups, nonetheless, all, you know, really interesting to see how, how they're going to play in the matchups that they, they provide each other. Yeah. I'm oh, sorry, Logan, go. you go. Uh, well, I was just going to say, if I can jump in real quick around the Providence thing. So, and we might get to this a little bit more later, but you mentioned the Providence battle tested thing. They had a few losses this year where they got their doors blown off um, and, and they are the lower seed. And I don't know, is that all kind of out the window right now? Is it just, you know, talent will purely win out or is there anything to take stock of from a game that happened at this point, like three months ago? I don't think so. And I, it pertains to basically all of our lives. I think, you know, what happened three months ago is basically three days ago is so much different. Things are moving so quickly and so many different variables in, in, in what we're all doing. And when you put 20 college kids together, those variables are changing minute to minute. So, so no, I don't put any stock into that. And, and that's, what's cool about these one-off games as well is yeah, it, it can easily get, get messed up uh, one way or the other and, and it, it's uh it, it's fascinating it's it's a good way to go and it makes the next three or four days really interesting for hockey's but but to your direct question no i don't think i don't think you can take anything even from the the quarterfinals games into the semifinal games i think you're going to see much different teams much different results and and much different play one way or the other from these teams yeah, and, and listen, let's keep it on Providence uh, and their their semifinal matchup with UMass. Uh, you know, the Minutemen are favored. Uh, I personally never bet against a Nate Lehman coached hockey team. Uh, they always seem to show up. Um, but at the same time, I don't know what to make of PC here. Uh, earlier in the season, they skated to a 0-0 tie and then a 1-1 tie with UMass. Uh, mid, uh, that was midway through the season. And then later on, they lost 8-1 to to the Minutemen. And then at the beginning of the season, they opened with consecutive losses to BC, outscored 12-0, including a 9-0 loss. Yet they're still a really good hockey team. Um, and so, you know, I want to pick them in this matchup, but or I, I want to say they have a good chance in this matchup. But at the same time, they put some real stinkers out there this season. Um, so I don't know. What do you guys make of this matchup? My one concern is going on onto that big ice in Amherst. That, you know, Providence is a small barn, tight corners, tight area. 
going out there, it's a different game all around. And I think that presents a big advantage for Amherst. Now, the other side of that, Stauber's been very good. Even though they won 6-1, to one, he made the 40 saves and he's played very well for this team and, and done a good job solidifying their, their goaltending in the back end. So, uh, that, that, but I, that, the big ice gives me a lot of pause and, and makes me a little hesitant about Providence. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. And um, doesn't doesn't UNH play on a bigger ice, too? Correct. Yeah. yeah. I remember because I'm a huge UNH hockey fan. So growing up, I uh, my my before I really understood the difference, my uncle always used to say, well, UNH got him on the big ice tonight. It's a huge, <laughs> you know, huge advantage. And uh, I never quite understood it until later on. But, um, you know, that absolutely is a big difference maker, like you said. Um, but and so speaking and speaking of uh, UNH, they obviously lost in the first round of BC. Uh, I was bummed about that, but like you said, it was a better game than expected, and the ending was great. Uh, but at the same time, BC, I think as expected, pulled it out. Um, you know, just initial thoughts on Boston College. Is this, do you think, the best BC team we've seen? I know there have been some great Boston College teams throughout the years in Hockey East, uh, but I don't know, top to bottom, and especially with the goalie and Spencer Knight, I think this is one of the best Eagles teams that Jerry York has ever had. It's got to be right up there. I'm a little, uh, I have some preference to the, the good old days, you know, the early, the early 2000s when, when I, I knew some of the guys and was around it a little bit more. However, you look at this team and it's so noticeable how much bigger they are than everybody else. It's very noticeable how much faster they are than everybody else, just on a team and a size speed when you flip the game on. And of course, when you have the player of the year in between the pipes for you and the blue chip that, that Spencer Knight is, all the things he's won, that also gives you a massive edge going into one and done games. He's played a lot of international one and done games and had a lot of success in them. So there, there's no question they're the prohibitive favorite and you would be shocked if they lost, but it's possible because it is one and done and because it is uh, 2020 slash 21. Yeah, if Lowell is going to pull off the upset in this game, you know, how, how do we think they get it done? What's, what's their path to a victory against BC? Exactly what they did against BU. Just lock it down. Uh, just get out, get in on the four check, play with their – they have good speed, team speed. They close down really well, especially in the neutral zone. No odd man rushes, no opportunities. And then they have to get a greasy goal. They have to get pucks to the net. They have to put bodies to the net you know, score off someone's back, score a screenshot on Spencer Knight. You're not going to beat him too often. You're not going to beat him four times in a game without him seeing the puck, without him, you know, getting easy looks. So you have to hopefully get lucky, a couple greasy goals, and then and then hang on. And that's that's the, the underdog thought process coming into these one-and-done games. That's, that's a tough way to play, too, because I was talking to Dakota about this earlier, how – of all the uh, between the two matchups, it seems like BC and UMass Lowell is probably the worst one. And in the sense that, like, Lowell was a bottom half team in terms of goals allowed this year in the conference. And then BC, I think, was the top team in the conference. So I don't know. How long does the kind of park the bus approach work in a game like that? The, the margin of error is, is a razor blade, right? They have, they have to play a perfect game, they have to play a perfect game to be able to get out of there without getting the doors blown off. And so, so yeah, you're not, it's, it's a BC, it's a BC victory 
this, even though there is an opportunity for that perfect game to be played, which they almost, you know, it was pretty, pretty close to perfect against BU the other day, which is a similar team. I have a lot of offense, have a lot of power, uh, but, but UMass Lowell is able to shut it down, but it, it's going to take a perfect game from Lowell and an, and an off night from Spencer Knight to, to allow them to proceed. Yeah. And, and you know, going forward, I want to, I want to kind of do our, semifinal predictions, but also just sort of predict the rest of the tournament. Um, and then maybe kind of touch on the NCAA tournament at large uh, for whenever we get there. Uh, I want to real quick do an X factor player to watch uh, as well as our pick to win the entire tournament. Um, I'll start, I'll go first. Uh, my X factor is Philip Lindbergh, UMass goalie, um, really good goalie. He, I think he gave up uh, five goals earlier in the season against BC in that 9-0 blowout before he got pulled. So had a tough game against the Eagles there. He's been a little up and down this season, but overall, has, I think, has been mostly good. I just think if UMass wants, wants to have a chance to eventually win this tournament um, and, you know, be as good as they possibly can be, he's got to be at the top of his game. Uh, he's, he can be the true difference maker for them. Uh, my other player to watch, Tice Thompson, Providence Ford. I think he has 11 goals, 13 assists this season. Um, I really like his game. I really like the way he plays. I think he's, he's a big piece of what Providence likes to do. Um, and again, and if they're going to, if they're going to go all the way and win the hockey's tournament, I think he's got to be their best player. Um, he's got to have a great tournament, but all that said on both of those guys, uh, my pick to win BC, I don't want to overthink it. They're the best team in the conference. They're the best team in the country. Um, they should be the pick to win the tournament. And in my opinion, uh, the national tournament as well. I, I would echo basically all of that you're not you're not going against that that bc team the way they've been able to roll through the season again spencer knight their defense is so deep they've got guys like Newhook up front that could score on every shift it literally looks like he could score or he's going to draw a penalty every time he steps on the ice it's he's a he's a pro he's going to be in the nhl in a matter of weeks and just there's just too much talent to 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 not predict that they're going to win um, it's going to be, and to your point with Lindbergh, Stauber, those are the two guys going into BC, assuming they, they, they get through Lowell that are going to have to stand on, they're going to need a 40 save performance to yep. be able to knock them off. It, it just, that's what it feels like. They're going to, someone's going to have to go into BC, one of those two guys on Saturday night and find a way to make 43 saves and, and have things go, you know, right their way and be able to outduel a Spencer Knight. So it's a tough road for the other three teams going up against this BC juggernaut that they put together. And, and nationally, I'm not, there's, a, there's always crazy things that happen in the NCAA tournament. We see it every year. So usually the chalk doesn't completely roll through the tournament, but, but again, with this season and all the variables and, and the team they've put together, it'd be hard pressed to, to find another team in the country that, that can match up for 60 minutes against them. It's hard because I would feel like a chucklehead picking anything other than BC. Cause it's like, yeah, you want to get outside the box. Then I've tried to talk myself into just about every other possibility and I can't. So, I mean, they're my favorite to win at the very least the tournament uh, player to watch for me would be Mark McLaughlin, uh, the BC Ford, the new hook, Boldy, all those guys get a lot of the attention, but McLaughlin can score. Um, I was looking it up there 13 0 and one when he has at least a point and four and four when he doesn't score at all. Um, so if you want to play into the numbers, maybe a little bit too much. Um, 
that's something to look at. And then the X factor, I kind of have two, and it's the two sophomore defensemen for uh, UMass, which is Kessel and Zach Jones, two very offensive blue liners who can you know, pepper pucks on net and at least create a little bit of, you know, offensive opportunity. And if they end up getting through Providence and playing BC, I would think, you know, traffic in front of the net and a bunch of clappers from the point are probably the only way they're going to confuse uh, Spencer Knight. And even then it would be a long shot, but I would say those are probably the two guys I'd peg as the X factors. Yeah. Good stuff. And, and one more thing again, I'm, I'm taking BC to win the entire thing. If I, if I'm going to pick any team that has a chance over them, I think a lot of people look at North Dakota and understandably so. Um, but I, I think Minnesota state has been the, be- the second best team in the country all season long. I think they have the talent to beat, to, take down BC if they eventually uh, see each other down the road. Um, so yeah, I would, if, if it's not BC, I'd go Minnesota state, but again, I'm leaning BC to go all the way in this thing. Uh, one final talking point before you get out of here, Razor. Um, and obviously, uh, you know, Logan, and you, you can touch on this too. How do we feel about the hockey East season as a whole this year? How do we feel hockey East navigated the challenges obviously presented by the pandemic and just everything of this past year? Um, you know, I know it was strange not having any out of conference games, but personally, I think hockey's did a really good job, you know, the best job they possibly could have. It was dicey there at the beginning of the year. We weren't really sure it was going to happen, but all in all, I'm satisfied with the way things played out. I'm not sure about you guys. I would agree a hundred percent. It's, it's so the variables are hard enough as it is, whether it's a bubble or you look at the NHL and what they're dealing with, but you add in, college campuses and college classrooms and college aged kids to be able to uh, navigate and be as nimble as hockey East was to be able to be changing on the fly on a weekly basis and, and the coaches and the programs all to be on board with that and understand what was happening and why it was happening and for them to be again so flexible I, I thought it was really impressive and to be able to you know get the schedules changed on a Wednesday for Friday night and okay we're not going here we got to go here now and get these games in and um, you know I'd love to to know exactly how they figured out the uh, the point system uh, that that alone should you know should elevate someone to, to goodwill hunting status uh, so so again great great job by them to get to this point. They probably still holding their breath for three more days, I would assume. And, and I guess we could do that as well. But but they get through this season with a champion, with a playoff structure. Uh, they'll be able to, to, to put their feet up and breathe heavily, sigh of relief and be ready for next year. But but job well done to, to get it done. And, and all the programs, like I said, the coaches and the assistant coaches, the managers, the ADs, a lot of work went into the last few months for, for what they got. I can't imagine having to weather that logistical nightmare. And the thing too, is like the, the product was still fine. Like, I think one of the concerns I have was like, you know, how many aberrations are there going to be where all of a sudden, you know, Vermont is the second best team in hockey East or there. And, and it panned out fine. Like if you look at the final standings and what the final four teams ended up being like that's about how you might have drawn it up at the beginning of the season um so the product at the end of the day was good I mean the only team that really got pummeled by it was BU um and because of that point system that nobody really knows how it works but it did uh they still finished second which is about where they should have been um so 
a ton of flexibility. Um, but hey, it, it worked in the end. So as, as they say, stick tap to everybody. Yeah. <laughs> one, one more note on that. Um, you know, I do think some of the stuff of the season uh, sort of was a positive for some of these players. I talked to Boston College defenseman Marshall Warren earlier in the season, and I sort of asked him, like, you know, are there any sort of, you know, silver linings to any of this? And he said, you know, at the same time, while it has been tough, at the same time, it's allowed the, the teams to really bond well because they're not really allowed to hang out with anybody else but themselves. So it's just been them as a group at all times. And they've sort of grown closer because of it. Um, and he said that, you know, without fans in the stands, obviously you always want to play in front of a packed house, but at times it definitely did help them sort of settle down um, and sort of focus on the game and not get distracted by the, all the other kind of stuff. So I'm curious, Razor, for you, um, how do you think you would have done uh, having to play throughout a season where there weren't any fans in the stands, whether it be at the collegiate or the professional level? Sure. I mean, I played in enough buildings when I was younger that were, were pretty close to empty. Uh, when, you, when you grind away in the AHL on a Sunday afternoon, there's lots of empty buildings that you're going through. And, and in juniors, uh, same, certainly in tier one, tier two, uh, when you're, you, you know, you're playing lots of empty buildings and you're competing and you know, there's a few people that you need to impress to, that are watching, that are in the building and uh, you have to perform despite the fact there's only 20 people. However, you always you get you get amped up a little bit more with the people in the stands and and to go an entire season and not have one big crowd or two big crowds would be a little disappointing because uh, again you, you'd always have those games you know in, in junior in the OHL when you're going into a, a big building with 8,000 people on a Saturday night you, you always have that circled and you know that's coming up and similar to the NHL when you get to that level you know you know the difference between a Montreal Canadiens game and a, and a Florida Panthers game. Uh, but for these guys, you're, you're trying to perform at the college level. You're always being judged. You're always being assessed. You're always trying to impress someone. You still know all the NHL scouts are watching. The, and you're trying to do for the program as well. So it wouldn't have been as much fun on a nightly basis, but at the end of the day, it's all about playing games and getting out there and performing and, and to your point, hanging out with your teammates and, and you get a little extra time there is, is that bonding is always fun. Good stories in 20 years for all those guys, I'm sure. Yeah, definitely. And, and like you said, it has been a, a fascinating variable or factor, not just in college hockey, but sports in general throughout this past year that I'm not sure if we'll be able to quantify it or really sort of understand the impact that it had teams that maybe emerged or, you know, played above their expectations or below based on the factor of there being no fans in the stands. Uh, but regardless, as both of you said, uh, bigger picture, I think all the players and coaches in Hockey East uh, and the conference as a whole definitely uh, gets the stick taps all the way around uh, for a great season. And obviously that, that continues uh, with the semifinal uh, and, the, uh, and the championship game for Hockey East that we're looking forward to. Um, but again, yeah, great season so far. Um, glad, Razor, that you were able to join us here. And Thanks uh, for having down me. the road, we'll be able to see you in the office. Yes, absolutely. That's I'm looking forward to going and find Joachim Nordstrom right now. So yeah, yeah. maybe Logan uh, up, uh, an Andrew Raycroft headshot. Yes, <laughs> yeah. uh, that is probably necessary. But uh, yeah, enjoy the games, guys. It's going to be a lot of fun Wednesday, back to back, and then and then Saturday the big one. So I'm looking forward to watching. All right, awesome. Thank you. Appreciate you taking the time. You got it, guys. Take it. Thanks, Razor. All right, and we're back. Thanks again to Andrew Raycroft for taking the time to speak with us. Really enjoyed it. And before we get out of here, one more time, I want to give you the Hockey East Men's Tournament Semifinal schedule. Uh, it starts Wednesday at 4.30 p.m. 
with UMass Lowell at number one, Boston College. And then later on at seven o'clock, Providence at number six, UMass. Both those games you can view on Nesson. And remember, all of our hockey's coverage is brought to you by Rockland Trust, where each relationship matters. So we're going to get out of here. I got nothing left to add. Logan, do you have anything? Not a thing. I'm looking forward to it. All right, cool. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening, and enjoy the hockey this week. Yeah.